This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. For the last uh, several weeks, we've been talking about horizontal and we, we've used the cross and we know there's a part of the cross that's vertical, you know, and it reminds us of the greatest command of all. That's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And, and then the, the, the member of the cross that goes horizontal reminds us of the second command that's equal is important. And if you only do these two commands, you fulfill them all. And that's to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. But we want to talk, we talked a little bit last week about vertical and about loving God. And I want to continue to talk about vertical here uh, this morning. And uh, in this aspect of talking about vertical, I want to talk about devotion. Are y'all familiar with having a devotion? In it? Maybe you have a devotional book you read or you, you, you have a, a time where you devote it to God to read and sing and pray and things like that. But I want to talk about devotion in action. Devotion in action as we talk about vertical this morning. You know, there, there are two parts. When you talk about devotion, there's two parts of the word godliness. And godliness and devotion are just kind of like this. They're just kind of like one, you know. And uh, godliness really means a God-word attitude. A God-word attitude. And, and this encompasses respect. And it encompasses reverence to Almighty God. And, and this is a, a behavior... Um, more than just a behavior, this is a lifestyle that really pleases God. So when we're devoted, we, we have a lifestyle that really pleases him and shows awesome respect and reverence to the almighty God. And there is no higher, there's no higher compliment can be paid to a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ than to call that person a godly person. A godly person and a godly person, it just means Godlike. A godly person is a godlike person. Just like like father, like son, like like father, like daughter, you know. This is the greatest compliment as a believer we can have. Oh, that's a godly man. Uh, that's a godly woman, you know. Tremendous uh, encouragement there. Now you might be a conscientious parent, a zealous church worker, a dynamic spokesman for Christ, or a talented Christian leader. But none of these things really matter if at the same time you're not a godly person, godlike. Because we can do lots of things and they seem okay and they seem harmless and seem really good, but we're talking today about devoted in action, devotion in action, where you're recognized as a Godly person, a godlike person. The essence of the Christian life is godliness. Titus chapter 2, verse 12 says, We're being shown how to turn our backs on godless, indulgent life. How to turn our backs on a godless. That means. There's no God in it, you know. There's just 
godless means there's, there's just no God there. We're being shown how to turn our backs on a godless, indulgent life and how to take on a God-filled, God-honoring life. Oh, that's wonderful. When we take on a God-filled, a, a God-honoring life, oh, I'm going to tell you, the adventure begins with, with God in a close relationship. Now, Olivia Goodrich, and uh, she had, uh, she, she's just a little old thing here, precious little saint. She's a part of our church and been part of our VBAs for a, a long time, and she goes to a school where she got a award. I think it was last year, wasn't it? She got this award? Uh, anyhow, they gave her award, and hear this. Here's a precious young little lady. She got the war, an award before everybody for being the most Christ-like. The most Christ-like. Can you imagine as a, a, a youngster receiving an award like, you're the most Christ-like person we know. You know, uh, you, you, you're a godly person, godlike. And what does the word Christian mean but Christian means Christ-like, same as godly, godlike. You know, that's what I'm talking about. But I was so inspired uh, when I found out about Olivia Goodrich that she got this award, being the most Christ-like. Titus chapter 1 verse 1 says, I have been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them. I've been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth. Now, what does the truth do? Because you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It sets you free. And, and this right here, the, this is the book. He says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free from everything that binds us. Surely it sets us free from our sins. It sets us free from our past. It tries to nag and pull us down and weight us down. And the sins that try to control our lives. It said you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. But here in Titus it says, I have been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live. The truth that shows them how to live what? Godly lives. This book here, this is the truth. And it shows us how to live godly lives, godlike lives. Shows us how to live like Christ. He says it shows them how to live godly lives. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says, By this divine power, by this divine power, God has given us everything. Now, now what percentage is everything? 100%. By this divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. So it's like, well, I don't know if I can live a godly life. I just don't know if I got what it takes. He says here, by his divine power, that resurrection power, by his divine power, God has given us everything, 100% of what we need for living a godly life. We have received all. There's a similar word. Wonder what percentage all means. 100%. He says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We 
have received all of this, all of this, then we need to live a godly life, all this power. We have received all of this by coming to know him. By having a relationship with God, we've received all that we need to begin to develop and cultivate a godly life. His power has been extended to us 100%. Everything we need, all that we need has been given unto us, you know, for living a godly life. And it says we receive all of this by coming to know him. Having a relationship with the almighty God, it changes things. Have you ever met someone, uh, a person, and they really added something uh, fantastic to your life? Because that relationship, I'm going to tell you something. The best, most awesome, most wonderful, transforming relationship we'll ever have is with Almighty God. And I'm talking about vertical here this morning. Godliness is just a God-centered life. Simple. It's just God-centered. It's just like you wake up in the morning. You know, usually the first thing I say is like, good morning, Papa, you know. And then I say, good morning, Susan, you know. And it's just like, Having a God-centered life, that he's just a part of everything that you do, you know? First Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 in the New King James says, Great is the mystery of godliness. There's a mystery to godliness. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest, which means he was revealed, which means he appeared Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, in the human body. And, and when God was manifest in the flesh, in the human body, what do we call him? Jesus. Says in the book of John, in the beginning was the word. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but Jesus was only called Jesus, only referred to as the son of God, after Mary gave birth to Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, in the stable there. Before that, all throughout scriptures, he is always referred to as the Word. The Word. He's a real entity, but he was referred to as the Word, not as Jesus, not as the Son of God. But that's when he began to call. The Papa God sent him to this earth. In the you know, beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among man. That's what it tells us in the book of John right there. But let me read again. Great is this mystery, you know, how God showed up on the scene. Great is this mystery of godliness. God was manifest or appeared in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, and that's all kinds of people, you know. And believed on in the world. All over the world people have believed in him. And then he was received up into glory. Or he was received up into heaven. Now I'm going to go back here again. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3. It says, by his divine power God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. Verse 4 says, he has given us great and precious promises. God has given us, as part of that mystery, great and precious promises. Precious means priceless. He has given us these 
these wonderful, fantastic, precious, priceless promises. They're exquisite promises he's talking about here. Valuable, prized they are, you know, very costly, very, very treasured. But he says here, he has given us great and precious promises, and these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. That's a godly nature. See, if you can partake of his divine nature, and that's how we can become godlike. I mean, I partake of my dad's nature, you know, his DNA, you know. Uh, I was conceived because of him, and there's a lot of my likes and, and things like that that come from my dad, you know. And it's telling us here, he has given us great and precious promises, and these are the promises that enable, enable you to share his divine nature, which is a godly nature. You can share that and become godlike, is what he's talking about. And because he gives you these precious promises, it enables you not only to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Human desires. It doesn't sound really terrible. It doesn't sound really evil. But human desires are, and and let me say this, and, and hear my heart here, they're ungodly. Now, when you think of the word ungodly, sometimes you think of some kind of a monster that's got big fangs and it's just dripping and you got beady old eyes and, you know, it's just ready. He's like, oh, that's ungodly. No, 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 no. That's not, that's not the way it is. Something that is ungodly can be very respectable in, in, in this world in which we live. It just don't have no God in it. It can be doing nice kinds of things. Just don't have no God in there, you know. And that's what he's telling us here. He's he's talking about these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption. The world's corruption that's caused by human desires. The world's corruption is just ungodly is what I'm talking about. And uh, let me see if I can explain this just a wee bit better. What is this here? It's a soda. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with this particular product or not. You know what? 7-Up. You know? So, uh, now I wasn't planning on doing this, but last night in church, they said, shake it up. So I, I did, you know? And I'm opening it for me, but I should probably point it in this direction. (laughs) Or just use wisdom. (laughs) Boom! Oh, excuse me. I don't really drink too much soda, but for a sermon.
fizzy. It's not bad. But let me tell you what I notice about it. <laughs> there ain't no cola in it. Now, when I was a kid, there was a commercial about this. I don't know if the commercials still go because I don't really watch television. But it was referred to as the... So you've seen it. Do they still have commercials about Uncola? Well, they did when I was a fella, young fella. The Uncola, and they bragged about it, and they boasted about it, that it didn't have any cola in it. Not that it's necessarily bad or that it's evil. It's just referred to as the Uncola, because there ain't no cola in it. That, that makes sense, right? Makes a lot of sense. Well, I want to kind of relate that to what's going on here. Let me see. I might still be a little thirsty. Does anybody know what brand this is? Pepsi, what? Cola. This is a cherry Pepsi Cola. Woohoo! Wow. That's got cola in it. But this one is very obvious just by looking at them. And if I poured them both in the clear glasses, this one is very brown, very dark colored. And this one's just clear. You know? But this one don't have any cola in it. Does that make sense? Not too complicated to understand that. Anyhow, there's a word called ungodly. It's just like the uncola. Ungodly just means there ain't no God in it. And there's lots of things in this world that don't seem to be really terrible or bad. They just don't have no God in it. Does that make sense? There's a lot of things we can participate that just don't have no God in it. There's no redeeming qualities there. There's no faith that's being built there. There's no love of God, you know, reaching out to us through that. That's just the way it is. This is what it says here in John chapter 14, verse 21. It says, the person who has my commandments, this is Jesus talking. The person who has my commandments... And keeps them, and he's talking about here, keeps them before your eyes and keeps them in your heart. And and, and you you, uh, abide by them. You you keep them in your life. You know? And he says here, the people who have my commandments and they keep them is the one who really loves me. Who really loves God because we, we, we have his commands and we keep them before our eyes because that brings about transformation in us and we keep it in our heart and, and it just it changes us and we become more and more like him. The, the people who love God, they keep his word in front of their eyes and they keep his word in their heart. The person who has my commandments 
and keeps them is the one who really loves me. Because talk is cheap. You can say you love somebody and not really love them. And he says, and whoever really loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him. And listen to what Jesus is talking about. And he's talking about all of us here. And I will reveal myself to him, to the man, the woman, the boy or girl who has my commands and they keep them before their eyes and they keep them and hide them in their heart. The, the men and women who keep God's word before their eyes and keep it in their heart are the ones who truly love him. That's, that's what he's saying here. I'm just going to read one more time just so you don't think I'm missing something. The person who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who really loves me and whoever really loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and I'm going to reveal myself to him or her. I'm going to reveal. So, so, so you're going to get to know Jesus in a way that a lot of other people aren't going to know. I will reveal myself to him and I will make myself what? Real to him. I'm going to reveal and make myself real to him. You know, now you know, I usually always have a pocket knife, right? You see it? No. But I'm going to reveal it to you. There it is. And I've used it and I need to clean the blade. But I did sharpen it this morning. I sharpen it at least every day. You know, I have this little thing, just real simple to, to, to sharpen that thing. And I could actually, not only I just revealed it to you, and it has no, no, no rattle or shaking. It is a very solid and a very secure and a, a very wonderful and to some people scary, you know, knife. But I could reveal it to you like I am now and I could say, hey, you know what? Take it home. Try it out for a week, you know. Cut some vegetables with it. Skin a deer with it or whatever you might do with a knife. You cook your lunch and slice your tomatoes and whatever else. But I'm revealing it to you, but... You could actually take it and and uh, utilize it and really discover the the blessing of this. Uh, what is a bench made knife? And it's just it just becomes an extension of my hand. I can grab it, pull it out, put it back. You know, never even look in that direction. But I'm going to tell you something. Better than having a knife revealed to you, when Jesus says, "I'm going to reveal myself. I'm going to make myself real to you." You're going to get up in the morning and you can't wait to talk to me because I'm real to you. I made myself real to you. And that's what he says. And I will make myself real to him. The one who has his commands and keeps him before their eyes and keeps it in their heart. Uh, he says, I'm going to reveal and make myself real to you. Now, godliness is devotion resulting in a, a, a lifestyle that just pleases and honors God. And, and as we're doing that, he's just making himself more real to us. And I'm telling you, uh, we, we have this awesome, fantastic relationship with him. And, and you can have that as well. Now, there's a Bible character, and we're not going to look him up and talk too much about him right now. Well, maybe at another time. But you can look him up on your, on your own. His name is Enoch. And the Bible says that Enoch walked close. 
he walked in this close relationship with God. And Enoch, he pleased God. He had a lifestyle that just pleased God. And, and Enoch's life, it, it was centered around God. Everything about Enoch was just like he, he was aware of who had created him and who had made him and who had provided everything that he has. And God was in his every waking moment and his every thought, you know. God was his focal point, you know, uh, in, in life. Now, devotion is really composed of three essential elements. The first is devotion is referring to the fear of God. Number one, the fear of God, the love of God, and the desire for God. And these three elements are focused upon God. But let me just clarify one of these. The fear of God is not being scared of God. It has nothing to do with the fear of God. The fear of God is talking about this awesome reverence for God, this, this wonderful respect for him. You know, in the book of Proverbs, it says the fear of God is to hate evil because I know evil displeases God and I don't want to displease him. And, and so the fear of, of God is this reverential worship and this respect of the almighty God. And, and uh, this is our devotion. We are devoted to him. And we understand that and the fear of God is working in us and we love him so much and we desire him so much and we just focus upon him. And that's why what we do in our household before we eat, because the Bible teaches us, we pray over our food. Mostly it's not just asking things, but it's just like, thank you, Lord. We recognize this food that we have and we didn't eat food. Eventually we would die. So if we're acknowledging that you provided this for us. And we, we pray, and the Bible says that your food, even if it was poisoned or something was going on there, it is sanctified and pured, purified by the offering of prayer and thanksgiving to our, our, our meal. I don't know if you knew that. I learned this years ago when I went backpacking for a couple of years because where we were eating and what we was eating, didn't know, you know, and I, I learned to pray and thank God for it because it sanctified it. It purified my food and, and all. Anyhow. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7 says, Do not waste time. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas. It's just, it's like the uncola. Don't waste time arguing about the uncola, you know. Don't waste time about arguing over godless, you know, ungodly. It just don't have no God in it. He says, don't waste time arguing over godless, you know, ideas and old wives' tales. A lot of there's, there's a lot of old wives' tales, and they're interesting, and some of them may have a little wisdom in it, and they're entertaining, but they just left God out of it. Nice little stories, but there's just no God there, you know. He is our creator. He is the one who sent his son and died in our place to forgive our sins, to make a place in heaven for us one day. So it says, don't waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. But he said, instead of arguing over godless ideas, he said, instead, train yourself. Train yourself to be godly. Include God in everything, in every part of your life. 
Train yourself. This takes some training, folks. And, and he wouldn't tell you to do it if, if he didn't know that you have the goods to do it with. He says here, but training, let me back up. He says, train yourself to be godly or, or godlike. Physical training, physical exercise, you know, pumping iron, exercising, and all the things you can do, getting on a bicycle and riding and running and all those kinds of things. He says, physical training. Anybody here do physical training? He says it's good. Do you all see that? Physical training is good. But training for godliness is much better. Really? I mean, we we try to do physical training, keep our bodies in pretty good shape and make us healthy and live longer and things like that. He says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Training for godliness, it says, promising benefits. How many of you guys like benefits? Like seven people. I'm going to call your boss. No, they don't want any benefits as part of their package anymore. No, they, they don't want any benefits. Could you just send them to us? You want the best benefits when you get a job, is that right? You want the benefits of Almighty God. And he says right here, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits. Training for godliness is much better, and training for godliness, he says... It promises benefits in this life, not just when you die and go to heaven one day, in this life and in the life to come. There is benefits to know how to pray, get your prayers answered, to access the benefits of Almighty God and receive healing when you need healing, and to to have peace when others are, are just all confused in storms of life, and to be able to have you know, uh, this peace and, and, and this relationship. He says it right here, promising us the, the training that we're to do for godliness is much better than just physical training. And it promises benefits in this life that we can access and utilize. And it blesses us in this life and in the life to come in heaven. And so you start accessing these benefits right now and they even get better the benefits that God has on this vacation plan is out of this world you know what I'm talking about you know so it's our privilege and our duty to train ourselves to live godly godlike there are benefits to the men and women who train themselves to live godlike do you think there's benefits to to uh, just training physical exercise is there benefits Yes, it is, you know. Helps us, you know, slim down that weight. Helps us to tone up them muscles and all. But he says this other kind of training, where he says train yourself to be godly, this kind of training is so much better, and it brings benefits to us. It's a promise that God gives us, a promise to give us these benefits in this life and in the life to come. And the practice of godliness, of being godlike, you know, it is a, it's an exercise. And, and we apply this to our life. Uh, 
a discipline to keep our focus on him is what I'm talking about. Godliness is keeping God in focus, you know. There's lots of things that distract us, you know, to go this way and to go that way. First Peter chapter 3 verse 1 says, in the same way, can I, can I meddle just a wee bit? One, is, is there another person who says I can meddle? I'd like to have at least one, but three. Okay, I see three hands. All right. Okay. This is truth. If we want to know the truth of God that changes everything and the secrets of God that changes everything. He says here, in the same way, you wives might... What is, is must a very powerful word? You must breathe oxygen in order to live. It's pretty serious kind of a word there. You must. I don't think I have to breathe. <coughs> yes, you must breathe, okay? Anyhow, it says in the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Now, now don't jump to no conclusions because you don't know where I'm going with this. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then, I always like it when there's a condition and it says, then. There's consequences. You, a, B, and C, then. Oh, wow. I like the thens. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news. So you got a husband... He just rejects Christ. He rejects the Bible. He rejects the church. He rejects all that kinds of stuff. He says, then, if you've accepted his authority, then even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives. That's what we've been talking about, training. Your godly lives will speak to them without any words. You don't have to say a word to them. If they're rejected, don't matter. Your godly lives will speak to them without any words, and they will be won over. This is a secret that's hard for some people to grasp a hold of. It's like, I'm going to exercise. I'm going to exercise, like the Bible says, this godliness in my life. And if I share with my husband... And he just don't want nothing to do with it. I said, oh, it's okay. I respect him and I, I, I just honor him and all these things. And, and God says your life is going to speak volumes to him even if you never say a word about it, the topic anymore. And he will be one to Christ through your godly behavior. I didn't write this. This is what God said, you know. He says, they will be won over by observing your Pure and reverent lives. That's devotion in action. When we have devotion in action, it changes things. It really does, you know. And he says, don't be concerned about the outward beauty. Now, here, this word of is a very important word. He's not saying don't, don't, uh, you know, comb your hair. He's not saying not to wear jewelry. He's not saying not to have nice clothes on. He's not saying that. So we got to make sure we hear this in its proper context. He says, don't be concerned about the outward beauty 
of. Oh, uh, we, we should comb our hair and wear a little jewelry and, and wear some nice clothes and all. He says, but don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles. Oh, this is the most new and the improved thing. Oh, it costs 10 times more than the other ones, but it's worth it. He says, don't be concerned about the outward beauty of, of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry. What about the people who don't have the expense to, wear, to buy that expensive jewelry? What if they just got just a, just a simple, nice little jewelry things that accentuate their, their beauty and things like that? He says, don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, and beautiful clothes. He says, here's a secret. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within. And I don't know if you've ever discovered that, but there's a beauty that comes from within that is more fantastic than anything that you can just temporarily put on the outside. He says, you should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within the unfading, it don't ever fade. The unfading beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is a beauty that you, you, you're just the most phenomenal knockout. And God says, that's my girl there. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. And then he just spells it out. They Number one, they trust God. Number two, they accept the authority of their husbands. And it makes them beautiful. And if you remember Abraham in the Old Testament. And Abraham was moving, you know, going and following the direction of the Lord. And as he came to a certain city, there was a king there. And the king came out and got to meet him. And he said, well, who's that woman over there? And because she was a half-sister, he was referring to Sarah, his wife. Oh, that's my sister. And the king began to court her and wanted to have her for his own. This is a woman who made herself beautiful by trusting God. And she was, as the scripture says, you know, this, this, this quiet, this, this gentle spirit. You know, she, she accepted the authority of her husband. And her husband said, don't tell him you're my wife because he'll kill me to get you. Now, these women got older, and his son did the same thing, but the kings sought their wives. They must have been pretty special. Something happened when they began to trust God and accept the authority of their husband. There was a beauty treatment that you can't buy in a store nowhere. <clears throat> he says, this is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They trusted God and they accepted the authority of their husbands. In the same way, don't think that we left the husbands out of this, okay? In the same way, you husbands must, there's that word again. In the same way, you husbands must honor, honor your wives. Treat your wife with understanding. As you live together, and I always like this part, it says, she may be weaker than you are. She might not be weaker too. You know what I'm saying. Excuse me, she might be weaker, but she might not. She might be able to deck you. You know what I'm saying? 
He says here, she may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. She's your equal partner. Equal, not below. She's your equal partner in God's gift of new life. And, And treat her as you should with understanding and honor so your prayers will not be delayed, stalled, stuck. So your prayers will not be hindered. When it comes to, I've really got to pray about something, and I really need some answers, and I need God to help me out right now. This is really important, you know. This has to do with, it's going to affect my life tremendously, or someone's health depends upon this prayer getting answered, and, and, and you're really trying to get a hold of God. And he says right here, treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. I don't know if you knew this or not, guys, but when you're praying for that new bass boat, you ain't going to get it if you're dishonoring your wife. You know what I'm saying? But I'm telling you, God wants to answer our prayers. He wants to heal and provide and, and do all the things and you to have a fantastic relationship with him. But he says, treat your wife as you should. This is all in this devotion in action. And you're doing it for God, to be honest with you. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. Finally, all, this is 100% talking about all the people. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. You should be united. You should be in harmony. And I'll tell you what, reading this book causes us to think very similar. Causes us to have the same principles and and the same understanding and the same values. God's word does that. He says, finally, all of you should be of one mind and sympathize with. I mean, he's talking about to understand each other, love each other as brothers and sisters. You know it's possible that husbands and wives can really see themselves as brothers and sisters? And you go like, I want more than a brother and sister relationship with my wife. No, you're missing it. I married my best friend, and we were brothers and sisters in Christ. And even to this day, my mom has moved up here uh, with us. My mom is, in August, she's going to be 90 years old. And sometimes when I'm talking to her, praying for her, I'll, I'll call her sister. And say, oh, I'm sorry, Mama. You know, because she is a sister in Christ, because we got the same Heavenly Father. Does that make sense? That is awesome. Me and my sister Susan here who is also my wife, we have the most fantastic, awesome, wonderful relationship. You can't even fathom it because our faith entwines together and there's no more powerful prayer on the planet than a husband and wife when they're in harmony praying about things together. Anyhow, let me see where I was at. Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted, and keep a humble attitude. A humble attitude is godliness. It's godlike, you know. Humble attitude, you know. Godlike attitude. And he says here, be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude, and don't repay evil for evil. That's not godlike. Don't retaliate when with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a. 
When they insult you, pay them back with a blessing. That's God-likeness. And Jesus says, hey, turn the other cheek. That's God-likeness. That is what God has called you to do. And he will bless you for it. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life, and I jotted in there, me and Susan has been enjoying life this past week by making some dandelion fritters. You ever had a dandelion fritter? They're wonderful things, you know. Do you think apple fritters are good? Well, we enjoy dandelion fritters. That's the little yellow flowers before they turn into little white things as you go on, you know. And we go pick them things fresh. And you make this nice little batter with some seasonings in it. You just take it in, you just dip it in the batter, and you just drop it in the pan. How many do we make today? A couple hundred? I think we're going to make some today. So if you drive by my house, that man never mows his grass. Why would I mow over all them edibles out there? You know what? And we haven't finished planting them yet. There's a bunch of us this morning. I just got to go, go oh, grow, grow. And I know you guys are going like, die, die, you know. That's like going into the grocery store and getting a bag of groceries and leaving it in the parking lot and not taking it home with you or something or another. Anyhow, he says here, for the scripture says, if you want to enjoy life, I do. There's any, is there anybody else here who wants to enjoy your life? It's just about everybody here, and I'm sure almost everybody out there who are watching us and joining us online. He said, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days. How many of you be happy just if, I, if we have three more happy days? I'll be happy. You only want three more happy days. Or how many of you want many, many more happy days? Happy days are here again. You know? In the Bible, it says if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil. If your tongue is speaking evil, and it says, and your lips, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. If your tongue is speaking evil to other people and your lips are telling lies, you ain't going to have as many happy days as you could have had. That's just the truth of it. See, we're not godlike if our tongue is speaking lies and speaking evil. We're, we're not exercising godliness because God don't do that, you know. If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies and turn away from evil and do good and search for peace and, and work to maintain it. This is some exercise here. I'm going to work to maintain peace. And the Bible says you are blessed who are a peacemaker and you exercise and you do your best to, to make peace with, between you and other people and you, you, you bring other people together and, and that just brings his great blessing. And then it says in verse 12, the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His eyes looking out. Oh, there's one, there's one, there's one, there's one. There's one, there's one. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and hear and his ears are open to their prayers. When, when you're exercising godliness, God's just listening what you're praying about. That's done. That's done. That's done. He's listening. 
Are we doing things in our life that's just negating our prayers? Just hindering our prayers? You know? The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. This is just learning the secrets. You know, of a, a, a devoted life and, and devotion and action and, and, and how many benefits and blessings and rewards does it bring our way and happiness does it bring our way and, and, and so forth. You know, often we, we try pleasing God without <laughs> taking the time to walk with him. Do you know if you walk with somebody, you get to know them pretty good? You know, me, me and Susan has been walking up the mountain every Sunday and, and many more days other than just Sunday for over a year now. Has it been rich hiking up the mountain in rainstorms and two foot of snow? And you learn how to use snowshoes and we got you some new boots for dry weather and for cold weather. Has it been fun walking up here together? It's been fantastic. Let me tell you something. When you walk with God and, and you can and your focus is upon him, you're like, God, I don't know, did anybody see the sunrise this morning? It was awesome. Who did that? <laughs> Heard somebody sound like an owl out there. You know, if I, oh, you was imitating me. <laughs> it's just fantastic. You get overwhelmed. You, you almost just want to kneel down up there and just say, thank you, God, for this beautiful creation that you've given us to enjoy. Oh, this is fantastic, and you walk with God, and, and you want more of God in your life than anything else. And, and you know, all we could just want gifts and gifts, and they get, we get tired of them, and they go into tag sale. But you get the giver, not the gift. When you got the giver, you got everything. Does that make sense? You got everything when you got the giver. And so just an occasional gift here and there, you know. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, it says, Yet true godliness, true godliness, because there's a counterfeit out there. You know, if it's like, Oh, holy, 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 I'm holy, 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 holy. Or whatever it looks like to you, there is a false godlikeness. And there are some actors who play that part. It says that yet true godliness with contentment is great. What does that say? Well, the translation I'm reading out of it says it's great wealth. The King James Bible says it's great gain. Either way, it's better. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. Having godliness with what? Contentment. What's contentment? Are you satisfied? I'm satisfied with that. I'm satisfied with that. You know, uh, Susan and I go up the mountain quite often and uh, went up here this morning. Said the same thing. And I'm kind of like a broken record to some degree. I can't help myself, you know, but we're going up there. And it's probably 100, 150 yards from our house. And you're going up there. And right over this really hump, you know, you get up there. And and we stop. I mean, I might... This tree okay? Because we'll stop every once in a while, just lean against a tree, because it's all uphill, you know? Just lean against a tree. God put it there for us, you know? 
That's, that's what they're there for. I don't know if you knew that or not. And you're welcome to use our trees, even if they're in your yard, okay? But we rest on the, and there's a place about 100, 150 yards from our house. It's the first one. And somebody, this is how God works all together. Somebody was littering. This thing has probably been there about 15 years or longer. It's an old can. And it was covered over with the leaves at first. And that's going up and down. I must have bumped some of the leaves or something. Up. And then this old can all faded up, you know. And then it got covered with snow for a little bit. And, and then, you know, uh, it, snow started melting. And there it is again. And we get up there. Do we talk about this every time we hike the mountain? What do I say? You can. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. God put a can there so we could remember that we can do all things. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And there's about three cans we go by. Somebody was a litter bug, you know. Years ago, they're all faded and bent and banged up. It's like, it reminds us of the goodness of God. I can't. She can. We can. And if you got your eyes open to God, what other people would consider trash, you might see something that's fantastic and rich in it when you got your focus looking for God. When others are just looking for something to complain about or fuss about or argue about or get on somebody about, you can find that pretty easily too, you know. But if you're looking for God and it's just like, I'm serious. I must have done said it about 70 times at least on the way up. And I usually say something about it on the way down too, you know. It's just like, we can do this, you know. And uh, it was, has that been an encouragement to us? Absolutely. It, it, it really, 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 really has. Anyhow, it says, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth or great gain. God-likeness, to exercise that, there are benefits. There, there's salvation to your family. There are great blessings that will come your way, genuinely, when we begin to understand devotion in action. It, it's secrets that we can learn, and it will bless us, and it will extend our lives and, and make our lives a lot more satisfying, you know, to be content, to be satisfied. Godliness with contentment or godliness with satisfaction. There's a lots of things that people buy, lots of things that people invest in, but it don't satisfy them. That's why there's so many tax sales in this world, right? Just don't satisfy. But I'll tell you something, your relationship with God and hanging out with him is the most satisfying thing you'll ever discover. Is that God, creator of heaven and earth, he knows you by name, he loves you, and you're special to him. And he constantly is revealing, making himself real to those who keep his word in front of their eyes. And they keep his word in their heart. becomes a part of their lifestyle. It changes things. So when we're talking here about vertical, loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, it's not just, it benefits us. It, 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 it's the secret to Understanding the abundant life, the life in all of its fullness. It genuinely is. Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm only about halfway through. Whew. And uh, I got so much more I want to tell you. And next week is Mother's Day. I probably won't do it next week, I don't think. But I'll pick up later on. There's just so much richness 
in developing and cultivating our relationship with God. And he is crazy about you. He loves you. Did you know that? And God ain't no stick in the mud. And he's not angry at you. He's not upset with you. And he's not just like real strict and sturdy and like somebody you might know. But he is fun. God is fun to hang around with and to be with. And, you know, I, I just got so much I want to share with you. But we can't do it right now. So we'll pick up with this at some point in time. But if you would come up here and join me, dear, I want to pray for everybody before they leave. So let's just bow our heads together. And what I want first off to do is uh, to reaffirm our faith in Christ. And if, if you've drifted away from Christ a little bit, things ain't quite right between you and God, let's just get them right right now. And maybe you've never really declared your faith in him. Let's make that choice today to invite him into our all into our life, you know. All you guys who are here in this building, would you, you pray with me out loud? And all you guys at home who are joining us, I, I'd ask that you would just pray. If you can, you're in a place where you can, just to pray this prayer out loud and reaffirm your faith or declare your faith for the first time. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. And you've got great plans for my life. And you've got great plans for my life. I believe you sent your son Jesus. I believe you sent your son Jesus. And he gave his life for me. And he gave his life for me. And he paid for all of my sins. And he paid for all of my sins. And then he rose from the dead. And then he rose from the dead. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus. And I welcome Jesus. Into every area of my life. Into every area of my life. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. As my friend. As my friend. And as my soon coming King. And as my soon coming King. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I want more of you in my life. I want more of you in my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.